Hi, I'm Dee Wallace, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's... Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts... Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, joined by my dudes, Mad Chan, Professor Wagstaff. Good to have you with us for another episode. We are coming in on another Monster Mash. Can't tell you which one at this point. What are we up to now? Nine. 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 Number nine. Nine. Monster Mash number nine. I picked Motel Hill. A little favorite of mine. And I knew that it wasn't going to fit in any other category, unless we did like a chainsaw movie episode. Not Texas Hollywood chainsaw, chainsaw hookers. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So uh, yeah, so I picked this one. Uh, Matt Chan, what did you pick? Uh, I picked a little movie called Devil May Call. And why did you choose that one? Um, because it has a couple of my favorites in it, and uh, Tyler Maine. I really like uh, Tracy Lords and uh, Corey English from. Um, Holliston and the whole Adam Green network, man. Totally. So totally. I picked that one. Right on. Uh, Professor, which did you pick? I picked The Stuff. Yeah. A movie that I have known about for quite some time, have wanted to see for quite some time, hadn't wanted a reason to get online and order it, and finally get around to that. So it's like one of those ones where, just from hearing about it and the, the things that I had heard, I just knew I'd like it. Yeah. So I was excited to, to have a reason to, to get around to it. Right on. Right on. Well, I tell you what, why don't we go ahead and start with the stuff? I think that sounds fantastic. All right, let's Excellent. do that. I'm glad we could come to a consensus. What a treat. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just what a treat. Literally, it's a treat. I like that treat. <laughs> Magin, tell us about the stizza. Okay, the stuff. 1985, director and writer Larry Cohen. Um, it stars... Of, the, of Cohen Brothers fame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joel no. We got characters David Mo Rutherford. Mo? Mo. You know why? Why do they call him that? Tell us. Why, Chris? Because he always wants Mo. Every time they give me a little bit of money, I want some Mo. <laughs> give me some Mo. Every time they give me some, some Mo. Mo. <laughs> uh, Nicole. Oh, I'm sorry. David Mo Rutherford was played by Michael Moriarty. You got me all messed up. I was like, get your watch there. Uh, then Nicole is played by Andrea... Markovic, Markovici, is that how you pronounce it? I'm, I'm not sure about that, so I'm sorry. Manicotti. Uh, <laughs> then one of my favorite actors of all time, <laughs> Chocolate Chip Charlie Hobbs, played by Garrett Morris. Yes. Love me some Garrett Morris. 
Uh, Colonel Malcolm Spears, played by Paul Servino of uh, your favorite TV show's fame. Goodfellas? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what TV show are you I don't know. About? I think I was thinking The Sopranos. <laughs> I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> Just He's a gangster and everything yeah, Goodfellas, else. You, you got yeah, it. he's Tootie in Goodfellas. Okay, there we go. Another guy that's played gangsters, but just not as good at films. Right. Uh, Danny Aiello. <laughs> right. <laughs> played Vickers. And then um, Fletcher is played by Patrick O'Neill, and then the young kid Jason, Scott Bloom. And uh, I didn't write down the brother's name, but actually the kid who plays the brother in the movie, I think is his real-life brother. They're both named they Bloom, alike. and they look so much alike. Kind of look like, uh, is it Squints from Sandlot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, Professor, you picked this. Uh, why don't you give us your initial reactions to the film? Well, I had already seen a couple of uh, Cohen's films that I liked. He's just bizarre. He, he puts his own stamp on things. I'd seen Q, The Winged Serpent, mm-hmm. and God Told Me To. They're both interesting movies. Um, he... he and a lot of times incorporates New York into them. Yes. Um, so I kind of dug the vibe that he put out, and this was no exception. I had a blast with this. Um, it kind of it could be put in the same league in terms of for why I enjoy them as They Live, uh, Halloween 3, kind of, you know, with the 80s and the pod people revival and, and statements about, you know. Consumerism. Yeah, and, the consumerism right. in the 80s and excess and, and kind of brainwashing and the anti-Reagan sentiments by much of Hollywood. So um, I liked that it never took itself too seriously. Though. Right. I liked that it was always, it always remained kind of goofy, mm-hmm. but it still had the subject matter. Um, and, you know, we'll go over a lot more of this stuff. And my initial reaction was it was exactly what I wanted it to be and expected it to be. Had, yeah. had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, sure. You remember watching this movie at my house? Oh, for sure. Movie night? Should I share um, the story? Yes, please. So we watched the stuff. Uh, I think my cousin had recommended it to us, and uh, we are like, okay, we'll check it out. And we're watching it and uh, having a good time, having a good number of drinks. And uh, and I go into the kitchen to get a beer, and uh, Mad Chan's adorable little girl is in there. She's about two at the time. And she's looking all sad. And I was like, uh, what's the matter, baby? And she says, I want something to drink. And I go, well, what do you want? She goes, milk. And I go, <laughs> Of course I'll get you some milk. So I get a little glass, get her a little glass of milk, hook her up. Don't even think anything of it. Go back, sit back down. About 20 minutes later, uh, Mad Chan's wife gets up to go do something. And she goes, oh my gosh, the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we come around the corner and uh, Mad Chan's uh, adorable little girl is sitting on the floor with the milk spread out on the hardwood floor. uh, Playing with it. Yep. And who gave her milk? I said, (laughs) Why did she was thirsty? <laughs> you do not give her milk. It's just like uh, you don't sit next. We to try the... to raise healthy children in this house with good, strong bones and teeth. It's like cabin fever. You don't. Everybody knows you don't sit next to Dennis. <laughs> everybody knows you don't give Jada yeah. milk. You know what I mean? Like, I was like it's right. funny though. Unlike most children crying over spilled milk, she's playing it, <laughs> having having a good time. Oh but wow, he's on him tonight. Oh, he's hot. He's hot. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's where we saw the stuff for the first time. Yeah. Mad Jan, your initial impression. Man, I love the stuff, um, because it didn't take itself too seriously. Like you said, uh, I thought Moriarty, that is his name, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Sherlock just, Holmes. Uh, yeah, that's what I see, and that's um, what I that's what I keep going back to. Yeah. Dude, he I think he's phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, he he's not he's well. not Oscar winning, but he he does. He plays that role of who that character is. Well, that lying conniving guy who's trying mm-hmm. to get to the bottom 
Like, he does that really well, and he keeps you into the story no matter how far-fetched the story gets. Yeah. And like you said with the pod people, this is very this is very Body Snatchers. This is very uh, Halloween 3. And this is 1980. This is pre that movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, man. Um, one thing I love about it is the movie just starts. Yes. I it love just... that we don't spend a bunch of time explaining everything. A bit. Like it, That's what's kind of unique about this film, not to interrupt you, but... Oh, you're good. Um, ...is that we, we keep it, not lowbrow, but fun, but we also assume that the audience is intelligent enough to pick up right where we're laying it down. Right. And they can piece the rest together from before. Let's... You know, it's just a very swift start that a lot of people would have made this movie an hour and 45 minutes long, two hours long, whereas this one didn't. It kept it's like 86 minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. So I, I dug that. Yeah, dude, he walks over, the old man walks over, he tastes it, and mm-hmm. the next thing you know, it's on shelves. Yep. Why <laughs> is his first impression yeah. to eat the stuff? That's, what, that's when I knew I was going to have some laughs. It's like and you, you see those from this bubbling one. in the like, snow. Are and you get... eating snow? Oh, I'm not like, eating snow. I like the other one, yeah, that gets defensive about it. He's like, I don't eat snow. <laughs> He's like, I just eat other random yeah. white shit I find on the ground. Like, come on. Bubbling up from underneath, man. And up from the ground came a bubbling crude. Of the stuff. Gold, that is. <laughs> uh, gosh, the stuff might as well have been worth as much as oil. <laughs> it really <laughs> should have, man. Make a Beverly Hillbillies joke, but really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I love this movie. I loved yeah. it back when we watched it. And an interesting thing for me first impression is I couldn't remember people would tell me like because I've got a stuff magnet on my fridge and people are like what's the stuff I'm like you don't know about the stuff obviously hardly anyone knows about right, the stuff right. and I'm trying to explain it to them and uh, I keep going I can't remember where the stuff came from can't remember is it alien is it this is it that and uh, spoiler alert right now right here we never find out where the stuff is from yeah. no and they say it bubbles up from the from the earth. <clears throat> yeah. And they're like, oh, you blow up one Corey, we'll have three or four more to replace it. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. And I think that's an interesting twist in the film overall that I took away the second time around watching it is that you don't know where the stuff is from. Yeah. All we know is that big business is exploiting it. They're not worried about the health and well-being of the consumers. Message. Even at the end when we're switching the ingredients. Yep. So, I mean, even if we look at it as something from aliens or just a natural resource, they've found a way to be bad with it. Yeah, and I so, like, and then, then that scene with them uh, over the hills, looking in at it, bubbling up, and whatever the hell those things yeah, are yeah. jutting out, yeah. reminds me of uh, Close Encounters when they're spying over the hills there yeah. and looking at, the, at what's going on there. But, yeah, that is a good point, though. They never do spell it out. And just to get this out of the way, it's not a problem for me, but my only criticism of the film is how it ends. It, it's for something that's been such a fun ride, it kind of just peters out. Yeah. Um, it doesn't detract from the film. I still want to pop it on again, even in a month. Like, oh, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it a lot. But that, that would be my only complaint is that they could have come up with something wittier. For the I, end. I think about the time where they bring Paul Sorvino into it with the with the army, his, his, mm-hmm. yeah, his militia. I think that's about the point where I start it starts fizzling out for yeah. me. But it doesn't go bad. I'm just saying yeah. that's the one thing where he's like, "I own radio station." And you're like, "Oh, okay." So yeah. we go to the radio stations, and Garrett Morris comes back, and I mean, everything's real cool. But then at the end, I think the very end is kind of awesome when the guy comes around. 
opens up the box. They're dealing stuff. Oh, on they're the junkies. Street. Yeah, the, the stuff they're junkies. junkies for the stuff. Yeah. Uh, one th- other thing I thought was really awesome is how they talk about well, what's in it? And he's like, oh, the ingredients are protected, just like Coca Cola. Yeah. And then they talk about later how the trace amounts of the stuff have been diluted, so it's enough to keep you addicted, but it's not enough to hurt you or take you over. Kind of like what they initially did with Coca Cola. Yeah. So I thought that was real. Yeah. I thought that was a really neat play on that. That's consumerism. what's great about it, though, is that it's such a layered movie that yeah. it's very intelligent. There's oh, a, yeah. there's a lot of comparisons they're drawing, but at the same time they're making it fun. Anybody can watch this. They don't have to think about that if they don't want to. Oh but yeah, it's yeah. easy and there for the picking. And I think it's cool that they don't just pick one angle on it, like what you guys are talking about. Something like the the crack ec- epidemic that's yeah. coming through at that point in the yeah. day. Like, there's all these things that they're kind of combining into this storyline without hammering you over the head with it, where it's there, but it's not, it's just done well. I think it's masterfully, really, for the writing mm-hmm. and the way they they deliver the movie. One of the things I really enjoyed about it is we're trying to find out what the ingredients of this stuff are, not because we're concerned about health risks or what it could do to us. So another company can reproduce it yeah, yeah. and sell it for their own gain. These guys are getting rich. We want to get rich. Not even one concern of what it's doing to the health of America. So uh, there's so many comparisons. But like the professor said, if you don't want to draw those comparisons, it's like, oh, they've got a product. We want the product. You go find yeah, out what's still, in it. It's still a fun Yeah, it's still just that. right there, man. I'm with you. Yeah. One thing I didn't pick up on until this viewing is the ad woman's a whore? Yeah. Dude, that I never got that. I've seen this movie five times. And then there's this one little line where he's like, pick your favorite restaurant. She's like, where are you staying? He's like, ah, the Sherry Netherlands. And she goes, do they have room service at the Sherry Netherlands? And now as an adult, I'm just like, drop the mic. I was like, that right there, dude. Yeah. That's like, but I didn't get that the first few viewings. I was just like, is there a restaurant in the Sherry Netherlands? <laughs> like, but now I get it. So whatever. Hmm. It's kind of funny. Uh, I love when the kid freaks out in the grocery store. At love the beginning. It. It's such an awesome scene. Yes. It just freaks out and starts to I like watching the employees. Hey, <laughs> stop. Right. Right. Today, employees would be like, here's another kid going wild. But yeah. in the 80s, that was rare. Yeah. <laughs> They'd already have him on three medications before they hit right. the exit door. Right. Uh, I love the scene where the dog is addicted to the stuff. Yes. And mm-hmm. he won't let the man call for help, and he tears the phone line out of the wall. Man, what, a, what a waste of Danny Aiello in 1980. Like, he's yeah. in the movie for, like, three minutes, man. Yeah, yeah that was in his prime, yeah, you know? <laughs> Oh, but my next note is I love me some Garrett Morris, man. I was glad to see Garrett yes. Morris come I'm in. Chocolate. What, are, what chocolate were his years chip. on Saturday Night? I can't like, would he have been done with it by this point? 1980? This is 85. It's a decade so, yeah. after it, the show had started, so I think he may have been done. Yeah, I think Garrett was like, he, early, he was before Murphy. Yeah, well, so, either way, man, how awesome is that at the radio station? Dude, Garrett Morris is... Yeah, dude, man. that whole thing with the where they got his mouth mm-hmm. outstretched and his yeah. head, his so eyeball. Cool. Oh, dude, that was wicked. Such a great effect. Uh, this is a very basic thought, but I just want to put it out there. I was actually surprised at how cool the actual stuff looked when it was oozing. Yeah, and I realize how they're doing a lot of it with filming on basically back projection, uh-huh. like two separate images. Right. I don't care. It still looks cool when it's oozing, like out in the plane. Like I, for all intents and purposes, I thought everything was going to look really cheap. And it didn't. Nope. Like, it's cheesy, but 
Yeah, I was really impressed with it. I, I thought, man, this looks cool. This is yeah. like the blob in, in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Totally. I like how the stuff was a huge conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Like when he Moriarty goes and uh, he's in the big city and they got the stuff guy in the truck trying to run him over. <laughs> They're all on walkies. You know, I thought that was really neat. I liked that. Um, I love the family when they're addicted to the stuff and they're yes. like really trying to make him eat it. Yeah. And, uh, and eat shaving cream. Shaving cream. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I got sick in your back seat. He's like, yes, you did. Man, when we started it, we were like, Oh gosh, this guy's terrible. And then like, mm-hmm. we were like, this guy's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love the stuff limousine. I want one of those to <laughs> take me someplace. Um, yeah, I like the hotel room and the attacker that ends up on the ceiling. Yeah, yes. that was cool. Very that was a cool. cool scene. Shot in the same hotel room that uh, just a year before Johnny Depp was used for Johnny Depp's bedroom in a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, really? The rotating thing. Yep. The ro- same room. Ah, cool. 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 Are you making that up to impress us? No, no, really. I, that's one that's of the factoids awesome. I read. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. I liked Abe McGoat in the commercial. Sorry, just a quick. No, you're good. Fine. From the Godfather and Barney Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love seeing him pop up there for a second. Yeah. I love it because he's with the where's the beef lady. She's yes. doing where's the stuff. Yeah. Where's the stuff? Poking, poking the fun at more consumerism. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I love the head explosion at the semi. Yes, the oozing out. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. Um, Catches you off guard, too. Yeah. What the hell? I've only got one more note and I can't decipher it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this movie. It's great. Dude, I would encourage it? everybody to watch it. I do have a couple questions. Does it stand to reason that if the kid gets in the back of the tanker and the stuff truck, that at some point it's going to be filled with the stuff? Yeah. After yeah. you heard them talking about making the Sometimes deliveries? Sometimes you got to do something immediately. Where the hell did Moriarty get the C4? I just love that he straps that stuff to him and pulls it out to blow up the quarries. That was, I, yeah, I really enough. enjoyed that, man. He wants some more. And what about, what about Paul Sorvino talking about, I will let this black guy on the air. This one time. Oh, yeah. When he was, like, was oh, really this, racist. This, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, really? I was like, I was like 85. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mississippi no. burning. Like, yeah. Even in times of great sorrow and despair when this tragedy is happening to our country, racism was yeah. still alive and strong. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoyed him with uh, Moriarty up there on the ledge. He's like, you know, I can throw you off right now. You, you'd land right right there. <laughs> yeah. a great little scene. Yeah. Um, the whole electrocution, the stuff was laughably done, but in such a great way. Mm-hmm. Like that, like he shoots the, he shoots the cable and then all of a sudden he has two freight ends and he's sticking in this stuff. Oh, yeah. The yeah. rear projections there. And you're just so like, awesome. it, but it's awesomely bad, dude. That's one of them awesomely bad. Yeah, I moments. love the scene with the child and the woman going from cart to cart. Yeah. With, and that's clearly shot with, you know, yeah, but, and when the when fun. the stuff comes in into the tanker while he's in there, it's yeah. so fake mm-hmm. and so awesome. Yeah. What about the symbolism that the stuff restaurant was blown up in between a McDonald's mm-hmm. and a KFC? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm surprised they allowed uh, that. Right. All of the rampant um, product placement in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. We've talked about Coke. I think they showed. They showed. Dude, I'm like, out I couldn't Coke. believe it at multiple times. I'm like, how is this in here? Yeah. Like they must have pulled the wool over them. Like I cannot imagine somebody like McDonald's going, "Oh, you're making fun of consumers being idiots." Yeah, sure, put our logo in there. Yeah. I mean, like, so it is surprising. 
So that would be the one question I would have for Larry Cohen. Be like, okay, now was that a separate type shoot? Like, did you blow up the building after filming a McDonald's KFC? Or did you actually set fire to something in between these two abandoned? Like, I want to know how that scene went down because I'm agree. There's no way in hell. Especially with the theme of this movie that as a, even a manager of McDonald's, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead, film outside. Right. Let alone a corporation, you know? Right. Then again, McDonald's was still counting at that time. So. Yeah, they still had the count going. <laughs> right on. Uh, anything else left to say about the stuff? Oh, man, the stuff was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Good pick, man. L- lived up to what I wanted it to, and I, I invite uh, all you listeners out there, if you have any interest, check out Larry Cohen in general. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, cue the Wicked Serpent. It, yeah, Q is, if you can is get a lot over, of fun. If you can get over and you're not about special effects, you're just in for a good movie, yeah. Q is amazing. Q's fun. God told me to. The It's Alive movies. He's... And obviously this, so he's yeah. definitely a fun name to check out. That might not be a household name for everybody. So totally fun, fun times though. Glad it lived up to it. Yeah, good, good, good. All right, Mad Chan, your pick is up next. Okay, so my pick was Devil May Call. It came out actually in 2013, even though it wasn't released until this year. Um, director and writer Jason Quadrado is it, that's how I'm pronouncing it. C U A D R A D O. I think it's I think it's Quado. He he lives in the belly of a guy. I hate you. <laughs> and Mr. Wyatt Doyle. But anyway, we have a few characters in this movie. Sam, played by Corey English. John, played by Tyler Maine. Val, played by Tracy Lords. Jess, played by Van Han- Hansis. And Emily, played by Camilla <laughs> Monet. I hate names. Was it Eddie Van Hansis? Eddie Van Hansis. Um, just said, little kid. <laughs> <laughs> So, I came into this movie with high hopes because, like I said earlier, I really like Corey English on Holliston. I wanted to give her a chance. I love Tyler Mayne, who I think is the saving grace of this movie. Um, Tracy Lords is just established for me. Um, Crybaby, you know, other movies that she did, Zach and Mary. So, I really had high hopes for this movie because they got these three actors. And uh, then it went on to... It, I don't want to say disappoint, but it disappointed me. Yeah, it disappointed me. It's okay. Um, you guys' thoughts on it initially? I um, I hadn't heard about it when you recommended it. Okay. And so I think a few days later, I committed myself to watching the trailer. And I watched the trailer, and I go, I'm not really excited about this. Okay. I'm just going to be perfectly honest Oh, no, you're you. good. Yeah, but again, I love Tracy Lords. I love Tyler Maine. I love Corey English. And so I was just like, ooh, this premise is kind of weak. So that was me. Blah. I, okay, on, that, that, that's, that's my feeling from, from start to finish. Yeah. Look, I, I agree, that notion I agree with you guys. I like the people in it, but I'm just going to put this out here. It's not fun to say, but Corey English is not that good. I, um, I agree. She is good as a supporting straight role. Like, she's good on Holliston. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, she does her job there. She was not cut out for this movie. Now, in fairness to her, I don't know if this movie had enough to offer her to do anything. To offer there. anybody. Um, I'd seen a lot of this already in Audrey Hepburn's thriller, Wait Until Dark. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of this wasn't that impressive to me, like a novel idea, because I'd already seen it, a lot of it done in that. Well, and what's the, I, I'm going to say it's a decent movie, but I can't remember the name of it. What's the, uh, what's the thriller from the 90s with the dude that kills blind chicks? Blink. It's another good one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was done really well. But, uh-huh. yeah, I, I will just say this. From the aspect of a couple of us did the phone interview with Tyler Maine. I kept thinking of that, watching him on the phone be a scary right. through this film, and I thought, well, if nothing else, I'm glad I'm watching it from that angle. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, there were a few things that... Uh, so, I got followed on Twitter by Devil May Call, and that's what first brought my attention, and forgot completely about it, and then walked into the video store, and it was on the shelf one day. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So the people that the people that's got in it. So I was made aware of it by that. And then I had a, a recall moment from talking to Tracy Lords last year at a convention. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. This sounds good. Um I, I agree, man. It really it didn't it wasn't there. It didn't live up to what I it had a few things, and I think my biggest note in this film is they keep writing the writer kept writing situations to further the plot line that would never happen especially the ending but every time it's like okay it's over the writer all of a sudden made tyler main's character the dumbest character you could imagine like when he got beat over the head and the kid and then he was out for however long like that was dumb and then to further the storyline, because it was so easy for them to escape at that point, instead of escaping, he leads her into a, the, the next room and goes, I'm going to go get some bandages to bandage up your hands. Like, because she walks on glass, you know, she uses her hand and touches glass. And these are just avenues that didn't need to be there. And I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. She did not need to be blind in this no. film. There was nothing. Like, I don't know if that if that's something for the writer, if the writer has that if he if he's personally there was, blind, there was a or... few scenes where it added an element to it, like where Tyler Main comes up behind the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, the way that she can't tell him, like right. that guy's behind you, right? You know where he's facing the girl and talking to her, and the guy comes up. Well, if she could see clearly, so I mean, there was some moments here and there, but for the most part, it wasn't utilized that well. It, no. it was just. <sighs> I have three words for this movie: <laughs> predictable. Unsuspenseful, anticlimactic. Yep. Dude, it's just, it starts off very beginning. In the very beginning, the woman that Tyler Maine has chained up just doesn't leave. She has the chance to get the hell out of the apartment and doesn't go. And that's the moment where you start to realize, all right, this is going to take that turn. The novelty of watching Corey English, yeah, it wore off quickly. I was excited for the Holliston stuff, but then I was over real quick. Tracy Lords, uh, same thing. I feel like the Tyler Maine was wasted in this movie. It was nice to see him without a mask. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Like, compound no. fracture style. I love that when he can just be him. But he was wasted, I feel, in this movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. And why did he keep calling her liar? Yeah. Is it because she said she'd always be there for him? I, think, so. I think that's what I, I, I'm thinking, like, I don't recall that vividly, but I'm guessing that's the reason yeah. he kept calling her liar. And it was, it just, it was so stupid. I mean, it just... It just reminded me of like Silent Night, Deadly Night, where he kept going, punish. And he just right. kept going, liar. Yeah. You liar. Right. 
Liar. It was just those kind of things, man. Like, uh, liar. If you look in the beginning, he wasn't really limping. Right. And then all of a sudden he starts limping. Yeah. The receptionist is a bitch for no reason. She says she's leaving for the evening. She goes out back by the loading dock to smoke instead of just getting in her car and driving the fuck away. They're yeah. all just plot points used to further the story that this guy wants to tell that are absolutely non-essential. Yeah. Why couldn't he come in and just kill her? Why right. did she have to go stand out by trash when she was leaving? Because she was trash. Yeah. There's... He threw her away like trash. Liar! Punish. <laughs> Can I finish? Can I, no, but for like uh, they're trapped in a room, Corey English and uh, Tracy Lords for a long time, and after about ten minutes of real time, Tracy Lords decides she's gonna call the cops. Mm-hmm. Like that was so fucking dumb. I like that um, Tracy Lords was a crazy cat lady. Yes, I did think that was cool. That was funny. Man, I'm just gonna put this out here. This to me, a lot of this rests on the director. Yeah, yeah. You've got to find a way with three genre names. To make that more entertaining. Exactly. Even if the script sucks, this movie could have been better. And I put that on the director. Like when all of your actors are just walking through it, they just look like meh through the whole thing from the killer to the blind victim. That's on the director. Even the actors me. look that interested. Yeah. I mean, everybody involved just looks like, let's just get it done. Yeah. The, uh, and the viewer relates. The one lady, the boss in the movie, was actually one of the producers of the movie. Really? So that's at the point where you start to go, uh, okay, there's a lot of, they had a lot of names and people that worked on this movie, but you start to go, how low budget, where, where where did this movie fall in? Like, I'd like to know more about it, but you know what? I looked it up. I can't find a lot. The title of the movie and the cover art really have nothing to do with the movie. Uh, Devil May Call, I can kind of get it because they're a call center. Yeah, but he calls every night. It's like, Devil will call. <laughs> there you go, dude. Devil, that's good. No, that's good, man. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Dude, I get you. Like, and I, 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 get, I get why we watched it, though. I yeah, mean, I, mean, I know why I picked three it. Three worthy names. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I don't fully regret it. I've spent an hour and a half a lot worse ways with a movie before. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's just unaffecting. It, it was just so bad. That's why I feel like. When you hear, when you hear Tyler Maine, and like I say, he was the saving grace of this movie. Everything he's everything you wanted out of a villain, and I'm sure some of the choices that were made for that character weren't his. Yeah. But man, like shit, like the very end of that movie. Yeah. And you know what? If they'd have gone on another 15 minutes, I might have liked the movie better. Like the when she gouges out. Spoiler alert! I don't care. She he undoes her binds. He's already d- decided he's going to kill her. He undoes her binds. Like, Can you see me? Have you ever really seen me? And she starts feeling his face. And I was like, okay, she's going to gouge his eyes out. And she gouges his damn eyes out. And at that point, you're on equal playing ground. We could have seen her try to get away. We could have seen a struggle. Instead, she fight, She makes her way outside while he's bent over, screaming in agony and blood pouring out of his eyes. Like, that's not how you're going to end this movie. Yeah, like was that? What it. was the movie? The was that? What was that movie? Blind Fury. Oh yeah, with the guy who knew karate. Yeah, remember that? Though? The sword, yeah. Because even the the brother at the end, he does the whistle thing, and the keys go off. I mean, there's every time you have that kind of character, there's always some redeeming. You get to see some redeeming thing happen, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's just he's in the same boat she's in, but she's better off because she's been blind and she knows how to deal. He doesn't. Like, what the fuck does that accomplish? Right. So, I'm sorry. That's me. That's the end of my frustration. But 
yeah, dude, like I wanted to watch it. And I'm not mad I watched it, but it just there was just a lot of it where I just couldn't suspend belief for a, for a while. You know what's even funnier is you could have added a little depth to this if you found out if maybe he was responsible for the accident that blinded her or something. Just gave it some depth, but this just had no depth. Yeah. We don't know why he did the things he did. We don't know why she was blind or what her suicide thing was. Maybe she's been blind her whole life. Maybe that was why she tried to take her own life. Like it just hinted at things. Didn't give you enough. Didn't want you didn't want to invest in any of the characters. It's even like we talked about our psycho episode. Even they give you that in psycho. It's like we all go a little crazy. Like you had nothing from this guy. Oh well, yeah. You had nothing from any of these people. No. I, I think this probably looked good on paper. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like, I can see why it would look good on paper. I can see where it got started. And I don't know if the director just didn't care from the beginning or he just didn't jive well with the cast. Maybe it was a producer's. Somebody stepped in the money, said, no, we need to change some of these things around. This just doesn't look like a movie made by movie makers. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something wrong there. I, you know, and it happens all the time where something just fizzles out and goes flat because other people have put their hands all over it. I hope that's the case because if somebody really thought like this from the beginning was a great movie, right. yikes. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'll just say this. I don't recommend this unless you really, really are curious. Um, right. Or, you, or you know, if you want to support one of those actors just by giving the money to it, Yeah. awesome. But I can't in good conscience tell listeners, it's good. Check it out. No, no, I'm with Not you on that. Watching. And it was my pick. So, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that even. I got nothing else to say about this. Oh, right on, man. I don't either, man. So, you ready to move on? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all for Devil May Call. And what are we moving into now, bro? Broseph? Um, Broham? One of my favorites. Motel Hell, Mad Chan. Give us the details. Motel Hell, 1980, directed by Kevin Connor. Written by Robert and Stephen Charles Jaffe. All right. Rory Calhoun plays Vincent Smith. A uh, good old classic Western. from the westerns. Yep. yep. Uh, Paul Link, Link played Bruce Smith. Nina Axelrod played Terry. Uh, do you want to call her the heroine? She's not really the heroine, is she? Um, one of my favorites was Mr. Wolfman Jack. Oh, yeah. Reverend Billy. Yep. And you get a small little cameo by John Ratzenberger, man. Yeah, man. It wasn't really a cameo, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, John Ratzenberger's in it for a small, little bit. Small, early role. Yeah, there we go. So our film picks up at Motel Hello. Motel Hello. And uh, there is a motorcycle accident. And uh, Bo is in bad shape, the man. And uh, I forget the I forget the girl's name. What's her what's uh, what's her character's name? Terry. Terry. And uh, Rory Calhoun finds Terry and takes her to safety. And uh, just off, uh, you know, is uh, when she wakes up and she says, "Well, where's Bo?" Says, "Oh, he's dead. I buried him. Buried him this morning." So I love her bedside manner. Right, right, and I love that he was just like, "Oh, he's dead. Uh, who family should we contact?" No, I just buried him. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> he I just did. buried him. How do you like your eggs? <laughs> right, right. So that's where we start with this film, uh, guys. Your initial reactions to this film. Uh, this was my third viewing. I, I like it more and more each time. Oh, Not yeah. that I didn't the first time, but it's just fun. It's the one thing that always stands out to me is that, uh, unlike a lot of horror comedy horror comedies historically, 
it truly gets like really weird and dark. Like the music, even from the open, is solemn. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, and and there's there's some moments where I, they really chart into some different kind of territory while still doing a comedy. It's an interesting blend. Um, but yeah, I like the movie a lot. It's yeah. fun. I didn't like this movie. No, I'm teasing. Um, well, the thing that got me with this is uh, I could have swore I saw this before and I didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. So this was my first viewing of this film. And I initially thought, I was like, man, these are real slow beginnings for this awesome horror movie I keep hearing about. And then they catch a steam and it, it catches steam and it takes right off. Um, initially, I was the, it, it drove the story, but when she does wake up and they're like, oh, Bo's dead. Like, I would be the person who would be like, okay, well, I want to go home. I need to be around something familiar. And even though I know they give the plot point, she's like, he's all I had. But I would want to go home. I'd want to be around something familiar, even if I really didn't know anybody. So I was like, I was almost getting ready to be like, yeah, whatever. But I can see why it takes the turn that it does. We need to drive the story. So, I mean, I, I really got into this movie and I enjoyed it. Man. Yeah. Uh I, yeah, it's just got so much charm. I mean, from uh, Rory Calhoun's character to Ida. Yeah, know, I love sister. Ida, man. Ida was amazing. What's my note? I says, uh, it says Ida Gas Station. Why did, why did I make note of that? Why is that funny? Ida Gas Station? Yeah, did she do something funny at a gas station? I just love the scene at the picnic. It's <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> We're talking about all the different things. He I punches ate. her. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> It's so not like a tap in the arm. He drills her in the side. <laughs> it's just, know, makes me laugh. Oh man, I'm laughing right now. It takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent critters, dude. I got to wondering. So, the brother that had me kind of flubbed. Was the brother in on it? Was the brother not in on it? Like, yeah. where do you know? Does the brother know that he's he's smoking these people? Like, because the brother's sitting there eating the meat. But they're eating the meat. Right. So, you know, so I kind of got going down that path. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell's going on, man? But I tell you one thing. The meat and the smoking of the meat, this reoccurring theme in movies, makes me never want to eat out of town ever again. Oh, yeah. Like anything that I didn't kill myself. <laughs> because right. every time you turn around, there's some cannibals with a gas station or some neat legitimate business on the side of the road selling people mm-hmm. and i'm not digging it. It too bad the devil may call didn't apply we could have had a consumer smash <laughs> episode <laughs> there you go there you go <clears throat> what about how cliff clavin was in this movie yes <laughs> john ratzenberger that's <laughs> the drummer yeah yeah um i love the scene where they pull into the lover's lane and uh, he turns on the lights and honks the horn and freaks everybody out <laughs> <laughs> And then they get, you know, news that something big is going down, you know, and they got to roll out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's so interconnected. So well done. I yeah. mean, it's just, uh, it's a good little small town horror film too, you know, because of that, because of the sheriff and the brother and, you know, everything like that. Um, I like the swingers that show up to the hotel. Love the swingers. That's yeah. so funny. Funny. It's quite a so funny. Is that what they thought swingers were like back then? <laughs> Wait, that's not what they're still they're like? They're not? No, <laughs> those were nice people, man. I'm telling you. I did love the fact that they openly, they willingly got tied up. Yeah, they're like, oh they yeah, it was yeah. tying us up. <laughs> but do you know what it reminded me of, though? It reminded me of the swinger couple in um, 
in Star in Super Troopers. Oh, like, yeah. who wants a mustache ride? Well, I do, I do. Like, that's what he reminded me. He was like, you want to come play? Yay! <laughs> they were just so excited. Oh, <laughs> I know, man. man. I love that, man. Um, um, we did that at the same time. Uh, uh, I, I, I love how they set traps uh, on the road to catch new meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was good, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I like that they... Uh, sever their vocal cords. Yeah. Oh man, and then they gurgle ah. like pigs. Yeah, I was dude. just getting ready to say, I'm being honest here. I actually get anxiety during that because of the why they have the gurgling sound mixed with yes. being trapped. I actually, and I didn't realize it at first. I'm, but I, just, I was just sitting there and I thought, oh my god, man, I haven't breathed, taken a breath in like a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. It's just something about watching. And I know it's tongue in cheek even then, but it's effective. Like, I don't know, it just hits me a weird way watching that. And that is that sound just drives you insane. Oh, it's yeah. such a horrible sound. They did it well. And like I said, this is my first viewing. So seeing those people, like, in the ground, like, crops, that's what I keep, that's why I refer yeah. to them as even in my notes. Dude, that was, that's it, man. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're harvesting these people. Great movie art. Oh, movie yeah, art man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about, um, what about when Rory Calhoun says there are karmic implications for what we're doing? <laughs> I was like, whoa, when did we get so meta? Yeah, the, good, you know? the, the good Lord <laughs> dragging lightning bolts into their hearts. and yeah, <laughs> I was like, whoa, getting deep on Motel Hell. Bro, I just got to put this out there. The uh, the tubing scene came right at the right at the perfect time for me because I was getting a little into it. and I was like, man, I need something right now. And then I saw them. They were there. <laughs> that was great. And then we could proceed to see him like three more times, which was okay with me too. But I just thought that was kind of uh, the idea that he liked this girl and he was going to bring her into the family business and insist it and like that. So she took her out swimming, tubing, in fact, pops her own inner tube and tries to kill her in the water. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. I just not happy. I didn't like anything, man. She kept trying to kill her. I like that song she's singing. The kitchen, they play yeah. at the end. Yeah, chicken and biscuits and gravy. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that uh, you get a little psycho esque with both the hotel and the fact that yeah. they uh, try to sink the car. Yes, dude, I, that's in my notes. Man, yeah. all the cars in the pond. Yep. Yeah. Very psycho. Very psycho. Uh, but I, I definitely love when the people, the plants, dig themselves out. Yes. Absolutely. Well, one yes. thing before I even got there, man, I had to ask you about uh, Terry falling in love with Vincent. Man, was that like a Stockholm syndrome thing? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, it had and to I be right because he, but she asked. wasn't really his captive, right? But because I yeah, mean, yeah, but she's so. I mean, clearly she has nothing. Okay, and there's this guy that and she's around stability. that's being supportive. Stability, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I just wanted to ask my opinion. That's that's how I took from that. Yes, oh, yeah. that was great though when they come out. Yeah, yes, and it, it, turn, it almost turns into a zombie, zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 chasing after him yeah. because all they can do is grunt and make those uh, sounds. Uh, yeah. Um. Then we get to my favorite scene. The oh. end. Yeah. When Vincent puts on the pig's head. Yes. <laughs> that pig's head with the chainsaw is just so iconic. Pretty big for a pig head, but we'll let that slide. Yeah. Um, they did that because Roy, Roy Calhoun was like, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I ain't in any chainsaw fight. Y'all, y'all deal with it. I'll do. I'll come back later. Probably. That was pretty Probably. awesome, though, dude. That was so cool. And I mean, I just I, laughed through it all. Yeah, during the fight. Yeah, man, it's just amazing. 
amazing. And then you get Vincent's, uh, uh, you know, deathbed confession. I used preservatives. Because <laughs> Farmer Vincent's fritters are well known because he never used preservatives. That's what yeah. made him famous. You know what else didn't use preservatives? What? The stuff. Ooh. Right there on the package. Ooh. There you go. I can't say enough, though, about that scene with the pig head and the chainsaw battle. Like, <laughs> it's so awesome. I mean, just even if you don't enjoy the, the, the majority of the movie for what it is, that cements it. What year was Chainsaw 2? Like 87. Okay. Was, yeah. So it was after this. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this was. Yeah. Because in you know in Chainsaw Two we get the the fight mm -hmm. you know yep. with uh, Hopper and Leatherface and the yeah. chainsaw. So maybe they took a nod from this. Good chance of it. You never know, right? Yeah. I just some of those parallels, man. It made it made me kind of wonder because we had the psycho parallel. So like, yeah, like this is like a psycho and, and chainsaw. And yeah, yeah, and chainsaw because we got like it, there was definitely a lot of Sawyer esque things going on, mm -hmm. especially with the barbecue. Well, his you know his smoked meats, but. They had their barbecue. He had the smoked meats. They put people in the... This guy went to harvesting people. Yeah. You know, which was a neat comedic twist on it. Right. Um, is there anything that I should remember Ida from? Nancy Parsons? Mm -mm. Not that I can think of offhand. No, she had that, that band, the Nancy Parsons Project. But... Um... <laughs> what I think is interesting about like this movie think you're funny. is that from... This time period, obviously, there's such a boom with all this great horror right? Um, that's going on. You know, basically, this is at the heart of it and will be for the next four years or so. But what I, I think so great about this is that this isn't a cash grab. This isn't like anything. I mean, we can talk about these movies that it draws influence from, but if you're going to try and capitalize on Texas Chainsaw Massacre... That's been out for a number of years. Right, I mean, right. and this and this isn't directly like it. It's yeah, the chainsaws there, and you may have a little bit of inspiration from it, but it's just what I think is so great about this. And maybe I'm not thinking of one, but at this point in time, there's no reason to make this movie other than let's have fun. Right, and that's what I think is so cool about it is that nobody ever really duplicated it, and this wasn't duplicating anything. It it is its own unique brand of a horror movie. The, they didn't tarnish with a bunch of sequels. It's just this great little gem from 1980 that you can go back and watch. I think that's pretty cool. Right, because like you're talking about, like Chainsaw came out in 74 and then got wide distribution in 78. Yeah. But everybody already knew about it. That's why we got this wide distribution. So it's like, we're not pulling well, it's that. And it's not like a traditional slasher either. Right. So, I mean, there, it's not trying to be anything other than its own self. Because yeah, what's his name? The cool. brother comes in. Bru or yeah, Bruce comes in and Bruce is, are you marrying him? His penis doesn't work and he's got syphilis in the brain. And <laughs> he starts giving her all these reasons not to marry him and stuff like that. And that is, that's very, I mean, it's just, it's not something you would see every day. You know, he comes in and then uh, Vincent chases him out with the shotgun. Yeah. He's like, you're lucky there's a lady in the room or you'd be dead right now. Yeah. And that's his brother. Oh, yeah. See, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I well, just like historically this. for me, there there hasn't been a lot of horror comedy that I like, um, and when uh, the stuff I do, I really like. And this this is in that category. Stuff like Shaun of the Dead, yeah, Adam Costello. I really like this movie a lot. Right on, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm glad you picked this one. It was it was a good first viewing for me, man. I love this movie because I could have swore I'd seen it before, but I hadn't. Man. Yeah. So 
It was neat getting to watch it again. That's cool. Or watch that, it. That's cool that you throw that out there, though. Yeah, you know I, I mean, instead of you showing up and being like, "Oh yeah, I've seen it eight times," like it's cool that you're like, "Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen this before." Well, when I went to buy it, I asked uh, a friend of ours, just Todd. I asked just mm-hmm. Todd. Uh, I was like, "Man, do you have this movie?" And he said, "Oh yeah, sure." And he handed it to me, and I started reading the back, and because I was sure I'd seen it. And then I read the back, and I was like, "Nah, man, that like never for me on this one." And he's like, "Oh, well, I love it." And this. Right on. Well, I'm going to go see for myself. And I did. I really enjoyed it, man. It was really Bought good. the only copy. Bought yeah. the only Bought copy. the only copy. <laughs> the only Blu-ray copy. The only Blu-ray. Scream Factory copy. Scream Factory, right man. I love these Scream Factories. I've been starting a small collection of Scream Factory movies because I've been inspired by the professor to, to get these movies. So I'm going to get my hands on every Scream Factory movie I can and never let go of them. <laughs> Ever, no matter how many gift cards I'm offered, I'm going to hold on to my they screen pack. They're fun, dude. My collection's got a little ridiculous. I love, yeah, dude. It's they're pretty awesome. Right on. All right. Anything left to say about Motel Hell or any of the films? Not any of the films that we've talked about, man. I do watch have it a... if you if you haven't seen yeah. it. Check it out. Oh, definitely. Screen Factory's yeah. Blu-ray of it is awesome. Yes, definitely watch Motel Hell and the stuff. Can't recommend them both enough. Right, definitely, definitely. Uh, don't skip Devil May Cry. Or Devil May Call, unless, like the professor said, unless it's something you want to check out out of curiosity. And if you disagree with us, man, let us know. I mean, we're not above, well, at least hearing you. I mean, we're not never going to agree with you, but we're not above hearing you. Yeah. All right. 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 Well, check this out, guys. Uh, One thing that we do want you to check out, and it's not any of these three films, it's a little film called Run. It's brought to you, it's a mostly jab joint, uh, brought to you by Mostly Harmless Pictures. Uh, Brian Williams and Jab Pictures, Jason Hoover, and they each did a cut of a movie. They each uh, they went out and they filmed a road trip movie. They each took the footage and come up with a one hour version of the movie. Both completely different, and they show these movies back to back. Well, they've got a special edition DVD coming out with both the cuts on it, and your boy here, Mad Chan, did the interview for these special features. The Midwest Monsters are branching out, and we just happened to make it onto this awesome dual DVD set. So you guys need to check that out, Mostly Harmless Pictures or Jab Pictures. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I want you guys to check it out because I'm in those special features, son. There you go. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap on Monster Mash. Yes. Number nine. So... For the Midwest Monsters, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by my homies, Matt Jam, Professor Wagstaff, and look forward to talking to you again here in the near future. Stay scary, our friends. <laughs>